Welcome to Brazilian Politics, the podcast where three political analysts talk about all things Brazilian politics. This week, we will discuss Bolsonaro's strategy, Alckmin and Marina, does the center still have a chance, and the possibility of a Haddad presidency. How scared should the market be? Welcome to Brazilian Politics. I'm Michael Lopez. I'm joined by my colleagues, Lucas and Thiago Aragão. How are you guys doing today? Hello, everyone. Hi, guys. All right. So we're three weeks out from the first round of the presidential elections, and we see Bolsonaro consolidating his lead, despite the fact that he's still in the hospital, in the ICU, recovering from the assassination attempt that he survived. In an interview with Arco Advice, Bolsonaro's son Flavio stated that his father's campaign strategy was definitely affected by the medical guidance he's receiving. But this weekend, we saw Bolsonaro record a message to his supporters on Facebook Live, a message that was viewed over 5 million times in 24 hours. And it gave us some insight into Bolsonaro's strategy for the final leg of the campaign. What did you Michael, guys think? Um, it was a pretty emotional video. We saw Bolsonaro in a in a impactful image in bed, um, still in the hospital. He cried, so it was emotional to the voter. But more than that, it was a message that clearly defined his strategy for the the rest of the campaign. He attacked a lot the Workers Party, already foreseeing this battle against candidate Fernando Haddad. He also. Uh, mentioned to the Brazilians uh, the political environment that we're living in the country right now about the division and, and, and all this potential risk of going back to, to the past with a potential victory of Fernando Haddad. And he also raised some concerns regarding the security around the Brazilian electoral urns. Uh, since vote in Brazil is electronic, For, for many years already. So he raised concerns about the security of these electronic urns. And this was definitely a topic that uh, was debated over the following days. Well, uh, this is Lucas. Uh, I think that the debate over how Bolsonaro will uh, behave in the, in the second round uh, is still not uh, in the minds of the campaign of Bolsonaro. I had a conversation with, uh, with a senior executive of the campaign uh, who assured to me that from now until the, the, the end of the first round, the strategy is the same, to be the, the, the candidate that has been the most anti-PT candidate in the recent uh, years, recent cycles in Brazil. In Brazil, in the recent presidential elections have had a very clear narrative of PT with Lula and Dilma and the anti-PT. Uh, with the PSTB and its candidates that have, that have been Serra, Alckmin, and ISU, and now Alckmin again. But in all of these situations, there has been a sense that the PSTB has never been aggressive with the PT. They have always criticized, but in not an angry matter as the electorate that hates the PT expected. Bolsonaro became this, and we will continue doing this until the end of the first round, and even maybe harder in the second round, but toning down in some social messages in order to bring back a little bit of the centrist voters that will probably be left along uh, the way until uh, the end of the second round. Yeah, one of the ideas Bolsonaro discussed in his uh, video was that on, on the first day of a Haddad presidency, 
uh, Haddad would issue a pardon to Lula, which would free him from jail and allow him to to participate in political life. This is something that uh, the governor of Minas Gerais, Fernando Pimentel, uh, supposedly also said, and, and something Glazy Hoffman um, also supposedly confirmed. Is this is this real? Is this a real possibility, Michael? This is definitely a possibility, of course. Um, we have it's there are some technicalities that has to be evaluated in relation to that, but whether it can be applicable in the first day of government or in the twentieth or thirtieth or fortieth uh, day of the administration, this is something extremely worrying because it indicates uh, a potential clash and a future clash between the executive under Adad's potential presidency and the judiciary. A former President Lula has stated several times that the judiciary, as part of the press, are the enemies. And this is something that by these messages about freeing Lula in the beginning of the administration indicates that they're going to treat the judiciary as the enemy, at least in the beginning of the administration. And for a democracy with the importance and the size of Brazil, this is appalling, since uh, how can you build a new administration in a divided country, in a country that the emotional uh, impact of the current political environment is very heavy, if by in the beginning of the administration you would target the judiciary uh, and the press, among other areas. My take, uh, and I, I, I take this, this statement from the governor of Minas Gerais, Pimentel, who said that Lula would be freed under a presidential decision by Haddad. I, I, I honestly don't think that this will happen. Uh, I don't think that this is plan A, plan B, nor plan C for Lula's uh, freedom under the PT. Why? Because there are institutional, legal ways to get Lula out of jail that the PT will try before in order to not have to use such an aggressive uh, and, 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 and strong and violent uh, action very early in the campaign. Let's remember that the president of the Supreme Court in this moment is Toffoli. He is a former PT Workers' Party lawyer. He has already said that before the election and before this, the end of the year, he will not vote uh, imprisonment after second level decision, which is what is putting Lula in jail right now. But he can put this to vote in the beginning of next year. All the signs is that the Supreme Court will change its understanding. And with this changing of understanding, Lula would be able to get freed without the aggressiveness um, decision of a presidential pardon. That's a, that, that's a good point. One, one thing that the polls, I think, are showing us is that Bolsonaro has, you know, one foot in the, in the second round already. And we see Haddad making uh, important gains at a very crucial time in the campaign, it, it seems that in a way, this this election is kind of a national referendum on what direction politics in Brazil will take from now on. We have Bolsonaro, the the representing political outsiders, and we have uh, the left making a, a strong move um, into the second round. So, what I ask you is, where where is the center in all of this? Where is the government? Where is Alckmin? Um, how is it that the, the referendum on Brazilian politics is outsiders or a left? Michael, um, the center in Brazil is always existed, is always strong, 
And this presidency uh, shows the difficulty in which the new president is going to face because we see a lot of this center that is not united around a candidacy for president extremely strong in a potential new Congress. So we see that the, the, the centrist candidates in Brazil, they were not able to develop a narrative to a polarized uh, voter that uh, sees that there is a necessity for deep and rapid changes. So I think that the, the lack of strength of the current centrist candidates, and we can include in there Alckmin, for example, and to a certain extent Marina Silva as well, as candidates that failed to develop a narrative um, as strong, as direct to the voter as Lula in one point uh, through Haddad, and Bolsonaro, on the other extreme, uh, has, were able to do over these past months. However, whoever wins will face a very centrist Congress, and they will need to, to adapt themselves in order to be able to govern uh, with a parliament that is, does not have the same narrative as these two candidates have right now. I think it's a paradox because we have a very polarized country in, in three groups. A group that rejects the PT, a group that rejects Bolsonaro, uh, and a group that rejects both, but are unable to find common ground under a name. Why? Because the names that appeared from, from the, the center, they carry weaknesses and they carry problems that uh, is not well seen by neither side of the, the, the groups, nor by who stays in the middle. Alckmin, for instance, is a politician that is a very traditional politician with decades of, of public works, with, with, with some uh, uh, wrongdoings attached to his name, although never proved. And Marina Silva also has a, a, a presence in the left and a narrative that is weak. So the, I think it's paradoxical that we will have a country where the two candidates that will probably go to the second round are unable to conquer the majority and the hearts of the Brazilians, mostly because who's in the middle was unable to create a narrative. It's simple. There is no narrative for Marina nor Alckmin. Yeah, or, or at least that, that narrative, well, the narrative is definitely less attractive um, than the other narratives. And, and I think this, this brings us to an important point that we're in a very unique um, election this year. But I think if we look back Uh, into the elections of 2002, 2006, 2010, and 2014, um, if we look at the polls that were released uh, right around this time for, for those elections, there are a couple uh, good takes that we can have uh, from this information. Um, Lucas, do you want to discuss um, what we can learn from the previous polls from these elections? Well, yeah, the, the, the second round, a lot of people say it's a new election. And indeed, they have some variables that makes it a different election from the first one and the first round uh, completely. The first main point is that all candidates have the same time of TV time, regardless of their size in Congress. However, uh, us at Arco here, we analyzed the last four presidential elections, 2002, 2006, 2010, and 2014. All of them went to a runoff. And in what we observed that, one, the winner of the first round won the election. Good point for Bolsonaro. But the polls for the second round, even when conducted before the first round, did not change when the second round began. So normally the polls are able to be right on who's going to win in the second round. And this is the poor point for Bolsonaro. 
It's wor it's worrying for Bolsonaro at the very least. It is. It is worrying, and this brings us back to a point that although the centrist voter in Brazil and the centrist candidates are not able to develop a narrative to put themselves in the second round, they can be the decisors of the of the winner in the second round, and their voters can be the decisors for that. Uh, the votes that will stay behind from the candidates that won't be able to move to the second round could be the votes that will uh, define the winner in, in the second round. So this is something that uh, the, the, the centrists are still going to play a role. Can we already say that Alckmin is out or, or is there hope? Well, I think that the, the Brazil is a country, like former finance minister Pedro Malan once said, It is so uncertain that even the past changes. So we <laughs> we have always to 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 look at the future with a little bit of uh, with a a little bit of, of of hope to whoever is the 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 actor. I think the situation for Alckmin is extremely 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 difficult. I think we would have to see a a, a complete perfect storm of changes of variables, which would include Ciro and Haddad fighting uh, day to day. In, in the, until the end. So the one of them don't actually go further with a large difference. Bolsonaro's rejection increasing once again, transforming in some percentage points. And then in the end, the centrist voters, including the 2% of Amoedo, the 2% of Meirelles, the 2% of, of, of Alvaro Diaz joining forces into Alchemy. So it, it's possible, but I would say that it's highly unlikely. Yes, and, and technically he can go to the second round still, but what uh, diminishes his, his chances, in my point of view, is that he is not demonstrating any shift in the macro strategy of his campaign so far. So it's not only the technicality of the difficulty in, in gaining these extra points that he needs, but also is trying to gain these extra points that he needs with the current strategy and the strategy that he've, he's been using in the past weeks. Uh, this is the most difficult point that I see. Of course, we have a bucket full of undecided voters, but still, uh, for these undecided voters to go his way, he needs to do more than what he has been doing over the past weeks. It's definitely a, a, a difficult situation, not only for Geraldo Alckmin, but I think also for the PSDB Uh, as a as a party, as a whole, I think Brazilian voters are going through a kind of uh, PTSD from all the events and all the turmoil that we've had over the last few years um, since Dilma's impeachment, the, the car wash investigation, accusations of corruption. And it seems like the PSDB is a party that is, is having trouble uh, removing itself from the ties to, to this traditional politics. And uh, we see the party even having trouble in Sao Paulo, which uh, is traditionally very strong for, for the PSDB. And we have João Doria sharing the lead in the polls with, with Paulo Scafe uh, from the MDB. So I think the, the PSDB is, is losing votes and they're losing votes from, from voters that traditionally always supported the PSDB. These are voters that have higher levels of income, living in large cities and well-educated. And a lot of these votes are moving to Jair Bolsonaro. It's it's complicated situation for the, I was going to say for the PTSD, almost confusing the name uh, PSDB <laughs> with the, I, I, I think that if... It, like the MDB removed a P from their name. 
I think if Alchemy doesn't make it to the second round, uh, it's going to be a post-traumatic uh, stress disorder within the hearts and minds of the of the PSTB uh, board. I think the PSTB was handed in the last couple of years, maybe four or five years, several chances to win the protagonism of the political environment in Brazil. They committed mistakes. Other mistakes were committed towards them. Uh, but they lost an opportunity to lead the change, uh, mostly because they were unable to fit a zinger, a line, uh, a, a quote, anything that made the 30, 40% of Brazilians that hate the PT connect to them, something that Bolsonaro does on a weekly basis. It's, it's something that Bolsonaro knows how to do. He knows how to communicate his message. The PSTB has a lot to show. Alckmin has a lot to show from his work in Sao Paulo, but he's unable to do it with uh, the, 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 the campaign that he's running so far uh, at this time. Yes, and the PSDB also became lazy in developing their narrative because their narrative was in the automatic mode. They always tried to bring a rational opposition in terms of narrative to everything the PT did. And they stuck with that over the past years. The difference is that Bolsonaro, consciously or not, he brought an, an emotional alternative to the PT narrative. And the emotional alternative that Bolsonaro brought had a major impact in comparison to the boring, rational alternative that the PSDB had tried to bring over the past years. That's a that's a great point, Thiago. I think we can move uh, away from the PSDB or, or the PTSD and uh, focus on on what could be the a possible president for Brazil um, after the second round. Uh, it's it's looking likely, at least right now, that that Bolsonaro and Haddad could engage in a in a runoff round um, after October seventh. And as as analysts that talk with the with the market uh, constantly, one thing that we hear a lot is apprehension about a Fernando Haddad presidency. Now, Haddad has has made some explicit proposals. He's talked about the creation of a development and employment fund, a referendum to consult the population on reforms made by the Temer government, increases to Bolsa Familia. But but my question to you is is what can we really expect from a Fernando Haddad presidency? I think this is a probably the multi million dollar question in the market today. I think that today an in interesting event happened in the campaign. Uh, Nelson Barbosa, who is a kind of respected guy in the market. I mean, he has been minister of Juma and Lula before. And, of course, he has the Lula and PT ideas, but the market thinks that he's the best-case scenario for Haddad. He left the Haddad campaign because he found it impossible to work with economist Márcio Pocma, who is a, a, a very, a, with a very you know, PT line of thinking in the economy. He rejects the idea of a urgent reform of the social uh, security right now. That said, I still believe that if Haddad were to win he would make more movements to the center and some movements pro-market. I think it would be a, a presidency of, of paradoxes. The market would obviously not like him because of what he says and would potentially do. But at the end of the day, 
I, I think that we would have a, a presidency which would try to send signals every once in a while to the market in order not to lose them completely. I think that Haddad's administration would be very tough on the economic environment in Brazil because immediately it would represent a lack of uh, credibility from the investor to the country. They would see the team being formed and the, the narrative being used as a, as a major problem for them to trust the country in order to invest in the country. Also, the, the signals that the not only the market, but society in general expects in terms of reforms would not be made, uh, at least immediately. And this is just mounts up this uh, worrying about how this administration would go. The names being chosen could be names more from inside the house, from the PT itself. Um, so I think that an, a potential Adad administration would be an administration that does not belong to Adad. I think he he would have a lot a, a lot less uh, decision making than than Dilma had, for example. Lula would have a prominent role from anywhere that he is. Names like Glazy Hoffman and Lindbergh Farias, uh, who were very vocal and aggressive against sectors of society, sectors of the political environment and the press would have prominent roles. So I think it would be a very um, difficult environment for for the investor and for the society in general. You know, uh, Chago, I, I tend to agree with, with an important point that you made was that Haddadji would not own the government uh, if he's elected president. And I think the, the biggest indication of that is that he does not even own his own campaign. Uh, we've seen multiple media reports that Lula is currently commanding the campaign from his jail cell in Curitiba, just talking about not only uh, what meetings Haddad should have, but what cities he should visit, what regions he should visit. And uh, with, with Lula in control, I'd also like to remind listeners of, of the fear that surrounded Lula's first election and the effects of his letter to the Brazilian people, which preceded a, a move to the center from Lula. I, just to finalize, Mike and, and, and Thiago, it's, if Haddad and Bolsonaro go to the second round, it will be a constant work of convincing the market and investors and local investors that they have changed, that they are another person, that they are uh, different, you know, that, oh, I've learned this time. Because the market, of course, prefers Bolsonaro because of Guedes, Paulo Guedes' liberal mindset and what he's proposing. But they also get a little bit frustrated with Bolsonaro's past of state-oriented votes and messages. With Haddad, even if he signals that he will be a more centrist, less ideological PT work candidate than Dilma was, so more like Lula, less like Dilma, they will also be looking uh, to the to the president with a little bit of suspicion. So it will be, in both cases, a, a situation of suspicion between uh, both sides. Thank you, Lucas. That's a, a great point for us to end on. I want to thank our listener for tuning in and invite you to tune in next week for more discussions on Brazilian politics. Thank you. Thank you. Bye thank bye. you, guys. Bye.